Hey, this is Adam Penapinto. I'm the pastor here at Hope Covenant Church, and I'm so glad that you're joining with us today. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a part of our Hope Covenant Church family, we would love to connect with you via social media on all social media outlets or on our website, hopecovenant.cc. I hope this word encourages, inspires, and challenges you in your daily walk with God as we dig deeper into his word. Let's jump right into today's message. Listen, you might not be here this morning, but watching online, we consider you a part of this church. And so welcome. It's good to have you. Um, let's do this. We're going we're gonna to look in our Bibles. If you've got your Bibles, I'm going to tell you, go ahead and turn right there to Matthew 5. Um, and we'll read uh, 1 to 12. Before we do that, I'm going to talk about, I've been noticing, and I'm sure many of you have been noticing, there is a lot of uh, arguing. There's a lot of lack of unity going on right now. And we've got a little bit of an, an issue where I'm noticing values in our society. Guys, I feel like everyone's really distracted, so just look this way this morning. We've got a value system issue in this nation that we need to focus on. And I, I, I was reading this teaching. This is from the Beatitudes. Jesus teaches in one of the most popular sermons, the Sermon on the Mount, he teaches values. It's called the Beatitudes. So we're going to take the next nine weeks and launch this series where we're going to talk about the value system that Jesus, we're going to dissect them one by one, and we're going to read this. In the book of Matthew, Jesus traveled through Galilee. And just to give you kind of the history, he was teaching and serving and healing among the people, and large crowds began to gather. Large, large amounts of people started to gather when Jesus was teaching, and they began to follow him. Can I tell you something, guys? When they were following Jesus, this wasn't like a Twitter follow, you know, like, hey, we're going to skip over this because we don't like the quote. This was, this was amazing, the, the level of following Jesus that happened then. And then Jesus went up on a mountainside and he began to teach this message that would change everything, and that's the Beatitudes. Today I want to start this brand new series, The Value System of Jesus, which is taken from that. Some scholars say that there's eight Beatitudes. I believe there's nine because at the end there's kind of two lumped together. So I'm going to do nine weeks of this Beatitudes series, The Value System of Jesus. And I want to warn you about something before we get into this that I believe that this series is going to provoke you and challenge you in areas where maybe you thought you were okay and you're going to realize you're not. You ask me, why do I say that? Why do I give that sort of a clause? Uh, warning, I want, to, I want to warn you now as I'm entering into this. I come here on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and I prepare my messages right up there in the booth where we, we launch our, our pro presenter and I was weeping this week as I was looking at some of the Beatitudes and convicted by some things. How many of you know if I don't weep and I don't, I'm not convicted, we have a problem? I, it needs to start with me if I'm going to teach this. And I've been feeling this deeply, and I believe and I've been praying that God would change you through this, that God would open your heart and provoke you, that no matter how long you've been walking with the Lord, maybe there's some things you've overlooked and not seen that's taught. Maybe God, you know, I was telling Liz, I've read through the Bible many times, but every time I read through the Bible, because it's living and active, God pours out revelation of things I've never seen before, and that's going to happen till the day I die. As we draw closer to Jesus, there's never-ending revelation in the Word of God. So I want to warn you that this is really a countercultural series. In fact, some of the things that I'm going to say are usually not things a pastor would say if he's launching a church and wants to grow it. 
But how many of you know, I don't want to grow us just numerically. I'm concerned about growing people, not growing numbers. The numbers will catch up. God will build this house. I've got to give you the scripture and the gospel as it's written. And so that's what I'm going to do. And the Holy Spirit's really been, uh, been provoking me on this topic of values. And I'm concerned about the condition of humanity right now. That we have a, a lack of godly values worldwide. And people are more miserable and more fearful than I've ever seen in humanity. People are dealing with depression, anxiety, more than I've ever seen in humanity. People are freaked out right now at the condition of everything between COVID. And then you look at what happened in Afghanistan and you look at what's happening in the border and you look at all this stuff and everyone feels like the world is a hot mess. Can I tell you something? No matter what it looks like, he's got the whole world in his hands. Okay, Jesus, I want to say this. I know this might confuse you, but believe it or not, God appoints leaders and he knows what he's doing. We might not know the end of the story, but I need to tell you that in this moment, whether you politically agree with who's president or not, maybe you agree last term or not, I could tell you that God knows what he's doing and there's nothing that slips by without God allowing things to happen. You go, well, what's going on right now? I believe personally we're experiencing a little bit of judgment. I believe that we have a condition where God is trying to awaken his church. And can I tell you all something? And we're going to talk about this during the Beatitudes. Historically, we as Christians, when things are going just fine, get distant from God because we don't need him. But when we get closer to God, and we, we, we will pull closer to God, rather, when we are in a position where we do need him. And so I wonder if right now everything that you're looking at is God trying to say, hey, church, I need y'all to focus, just like I said to you two minutes ago, get rid of the distractions, turn Hulu and Netflix off, and begin to focus on what I want to do. My kingdom come, my will be done. We need a revival and we need revelation. I want to say this. We are a presence church. We want Holy Spirit. I just talked about a series where not by my might, not by my power, but by my spirit. This is pointing to God. We want encounter. But I want to say this, that as charismatics and as Pentecostals, many times we don't put enough emphasis on the encounter that happens through his word. It doesn't just happen so you're endorsing. See, we love worship. We love the touchy feeling. We love all the feels. Millennials, we love all the feels. But sometimes when you read scripture, all the feels that you get are not all the feels that you want. Your flesh goes, no, what are you doing? God is convicting you of things. If all God tells you is what you want to hear, I challenge your God. If all God tells you is what you think you want to hear, I challenge whether you're really hearing God or you're hearing you. And I could tell you many times that I've dealt with that where I've had to check myself before I wreck myself because everything that lines up is just all prosperous. And, and listen, God wants us to prosper. But there are times where we go through short-term pains for long-term gains. I believe we're in that season right now, and I want to encourage you with that, not discourage you. We encounter the Lord in our worship, but we also encounter the Lord during his word, and that's what we're about to do. Let's read this. This is the key passage here in this series the values that are taught to us, and, and you're not going to understand this all when you read it right away, but we're going to dissect this. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, this is on the mountainside, he sat down, this is a sermon on the mount, his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. 
And Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. These are the words of Jesus. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We're going to study this one today. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. We're going to discuss that next week. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I'm going to camp out on that one. Blessed are the pure in heart. That's going to be a fun week, for they're the ones that see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. I'll be honest with you. My dad challenged me on this one this week on a personal level. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. My prayer is that the values that Jesus teaches in this passage create an awakening and a revival in your heart over the next nine weeks. That's my prayer, that this creates and instills values that lead you to a complete transformation of your heart that leads to a complete transformation of your character. Because when your heart is convicted and when your heart is challenged and when you allow the Holy Spirit to do a work, that's when we get that reforming, that transformation where we look like Jesus. These statements reveal where true happiness can be found, guys. As we learn these qualities and these values, that's where you'll experience true happiness. All nine of these truths begin with the word blessed. We're blessed. The word blessed in the Greek, and I always go to the original meaning because I want you all to understand this. I'm teaching this, okay? The word blessed in the Greek, it's, it's the word makarios. Makarios means blessed and happy. What this really means is that there is an eternal joy that the world can't give you. I want to say that again. Makarios is an eternal joy that the world can't give you. You are completely different, and circumstances cannot knock you off of that. Can I tell y'all what we need is the joy of the Lord that circumstances can't knock us off of. When times are turbulent, are we going to get knocked off of our joy? You know, I've given you the story before that Liz and I, we flew a couple months ago, and we hit some really bad turbulence. And I could tell y'all I needed an extra pair of pants in that moment when we were going through these turbulence. I was very, very, very concerned. I don't like turbulence. I, I don't like, I don't like the, what do they call it? It's, it's, what are they, air pockets. You're hitting air pockets. And the plane's going like this. And it was, it was so bad that, that the, the flight attendants were like, they were hunkering down themselves. And they said, yeah, that was bad. That was bad. And the pilot got on and said, hey, we're going to go through a little bit of weather. It's just going to be a couple minutes. Those couple of minutes felt like hours to me. And I was like, God, just take me now. I want out. (laughs) How many of y'all have gone through turbulent times where you're like, God, just take me now. I want out. But see, God's trying to marinate something in you that you are unshakable. When you go through turbulent times, I've said this before. A.W. Tozer says a scared world needs a fearless church. Can we stop freaking out over the times we're in and celebrate that God destined you to be here right here, right now on purpose? You're here on purpose. This is not an accident. God didn't mess up when he didn't 
create you to live in Mayberry in 1950 where the ice cream truck would go down the road. I still love ice cream trucks. That doesn't change. <laughs> but I want to I talk about happiness. Happiness comes from the Latin word hap. There was some revelation in this. The Latin word hap, that's where happiness comes from. This word, you get, this is where you get the word happenings, which means you are happy with the happenings. Guys, I want to be happy no matter what the happenings. Okay? So this points to joy. Joy is much better than happiness because joy is not circumstantial. We know that joy comes from the Lord. When we worship, it's a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So when we come in here and we declare the joy of the Lord and your week was terrible, the joy of the Lord can break through the emotional dysfunction that I have from the terrible week and set things straight. So hap comes from the, happiness, hap comes from the word happiness. It's a Latin word. Happenings, the happenings. I need to have the joy of the Lord that no matter what the happenings, I still have this joy. All nine of these truths end in for they. These nine statements show the potential of what can be. When it says for they, it can be. You need to know that. So let's study the first of these nine Beatitudes in Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You might be thinking, I don't want to be poor. I drove a Mercedes that's sitting out there in the parking lot. You're talking to me about being poor in spirit. Well, I'm going to pick on that a little bit right now and explain to you what that means. Blessed are the poor in spirit, okay? It's not saying blessed are those that have no money. It's not saying blessed are those that have nothing. It's not expecting you to not live a prosperous life. That's not what that's saying. I'll explain it. In the Greek, the word poor means you have nothing. Okay, that's what it means in the Greek. To be poor, you have nothing. You go, that's not really revelatory. No, it is. Watch where I'm going with this. If I would read Matthew 5, 3 to read it like this. I'm going to read this in the Adam version. I wrote this for you. Blessed is the person who realizes that they are completely destitute, utterly helpless, and who realizes their absolute need for God. In other words, you are poor without absolutely and utterly needing God. That's what that's talking about. It's talking about your spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Not blessed are the poor. It's not a period after that. Blessed are the poor in spirit. So I would read it. Blessed is the person who realizes they are completely destitute and utterly helpless. One who recognizes the absolute need and dependence on God. Matthew 5, 3 in the New Living Translation. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I'll read it out of the God's Word Translation. Blessed are those who recognize they are spiritually helpless, for there the, the kingdom of heaven now belongs to them. I'll read it out of the New Century Version. Those people who know they have great spiritual needs are happy because the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. See, reading these different translations explains it a little bit better. These are the words of Jesus. See, people in America, this is a really hard message for me to preach to an American church. Because we have so much stuff that we don't necessarily need God. When we select a church, we select a church oftentimes. Now, y'all are pioneers. I want to explain that to you guys. This don't look sexy right now. 
We're a startup church. Let's just be honest, for reals. But I will tell you, God has really blessed us for the size that we are. We are blessed, and God is pouring out his spirit. But in the American church, how we shop for a church is we look at their youth ministry. We look at their kids' ministry. We look at how comfortable the seats are. Do the bathrooms have the right size mirrors? Is there Listerine in the corner? I mean, an American church is so hard to teach about blessed are the poor in spirit. Anything with the word poor, it's like, well, hold on a second. Don't go hyper faith on me when I'm preaching this to you because this actually has a deep meaning that you need to catch. We will never depend on something that we don't think that we need. If you don't think you need God, you'll never depend on him. And I wonder if that's what God's doing right now in the, in the, in the climate, the political climate, all of it. And I don't get political, so y'all don't read into this. But can we be honest? Things are not going real well right now. And I wonder if God's not trying to get our attention in this moment. And we feel the squeeze and we're a little uncomfortable. We have to wear face masks and we're a little grouchy on a perfect day. And let's, let's just be honest. Are we nice and are we kind to the person that's not necessarily making you wear a face mask across the counter? But they have to enforce it or are you a jerk? I'm asking you. I'm asking me. I'm, I'm not even asking you anymore. Forget, forget it. I'm just preaching to me this morning. Because I'll be honest with you, I've walked into a store where somebody's not been nice about it, and they've not been nice about it. Usually when I ask them, why are you such a jerk about it? Well, y'all have no idea what I've dealt with today. We had somebody say this. We had 20 people just like they're, they're ripping us one side up down the other because they're trying to do their job and we're just, you know, you're saying, oh, so you agree with face masks? Listen, y'all get over yourself right now. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is the character of Jesus does not depend on the situation or the circumstance. That's what I'm saying. And if it causes you to act like a jerk, then you're not a C-H-R-S-T-I-A-N. Period. End of story. You go, well, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Yeah, but you don't demonstrate his character or the fruit of the spirit. So I don't care if you could robo shoto. I do not care. I do not care. You go, why are you getting up in my grill? Because, guys, as the church, we're supposed to be leading the charge of what it looks like to look like Jesus. I wonder if Jesus were in 2021 and were forced to wear a face mask in a store, what he would do. I wonder. Would he be a jerk or would he be kind? Would he let his witness slip? I mean, I read a perfect guy. To be poor in spirit really means that I can't achieve this on my own. I've been talking about this for the past four weeks, that it's not by my might nor by my power, but by his spirit. In other words, I need your help, God, for my spiritual life. I want to give you a story. Back in, in 9-11, many of you don't know this. I was going to talk about it next week, and I, I kept my mouth shut. It was really hard for me to do because we were close to the 9-11 anniversary. Um, my, my parents had a church up in New Jersey, and when 9-11 happened, the next day, I went into the city with a group of people to pray. And it was a difficult situation because when I walked into the city, we went through the tunnel. They just started letting people back in. And there was dust from all the buildings. I was there. It was fresh. It was fresh. And you could not hear a horn in New York City. It was dead quiet, which was really creepy because if you've ever been to New York, I mean, we, we use the horn. <laughs> um, New Yorkers are moving down here to Charlotte, so y'all are, are getting used to that. And we went into the city, 
And that night, our pastor called a prayer meeting. He called a corporate prayer meeting. And this was back in like, it was like late night. Well, obviously, it was early 2000s. But in the, how many of y'all remember the prayer banners? We went through like a prayer banner thing. And so we had all the prayer banners out. And he called a corporate prayer meeting. And the church was 100% packed with people. We had an attendance for corporate prayer. Prior to 9-11, if we had called the corporate prayer meeting, you'd get maybe 20 people show up. And we were a church of 1,200. But that night, I, I remember there were hundreds of people there. I remember it like it was yesterday. And the hunger that was in the church and the amount of passion in people that were desperately crying out to God. I sat there as a, I believe I was a 19-year-old in that moment. And I sat there and I remember thinking, did God, did, did God do this? Of course, I know God didn't do that. But like, what happened? Did, did God allow this? Like, what, I was trying to figure it all out. All I know is that his people got to a place of desperation that there was a really good thing that happened in the church. Two months later, I remember our pastor calling a corporate prayer meeting. We were back to 25 people again. Can I tell you all something? If my people will humbly pray and turn from their wicked ways, I will heal their land. See, we have the ingredients in Scripture right now to change the narrative. But the church is asleep. You go, I, I thought you were speaking on, like, Jesus' teachings, and yeah, yeah, we have a value system issue. See, we value the presence of God when it will heal our problem. But do we need God when things are going just fine? I'm asking that question. I'm, I'm, I'm legitimately asking you. See, I don't think that God did or orchestrated 9-11, but I believe that he uses all things together for his good. And I believe there are times where God uses these turbulent situations. I know it because I read about it in scripture to get our attention as Christians. We don't like hearing this. We don't like this message. Again, this is not like a, yay, let's grow the church. Some of the most amazing worship I've seen in video clips are large gatherings in India Nations that are third world nations where they have nothing, but they'll walk through the mud and they'll come in and man, the, there'll be thousands of people. I can't get Americans to wake up on time and come to church at 1030 before the countdown and get here and fill these seats because we don't feel good. But these people in India are limping along. They're not concerned about their feelings or their conditions. They will travel because they have an appointment with God and they know something's about to happen and they're not going to miss it. There's invite cards in your seats. I've been saying it for weeks. Can we, can we invite people? Can we invite people? Can we invite people? Sure. And then Monday we get into the, the regimen and the routine. Alexa, I'm not, a, I'm not pointing a finger at any person. I don't want you to feel condemnation or tension coming from me. But guys, when are we going to wake up? You look at these worship videos. I was YouTube and watching these worship videos and going, my God, these people traveled. Some of them traveled three and four days with the clothes on their back having showered or anything because they want an appointment with God. It's hard to preach in America about this. Revelations 3, verse 15 to 17, and I'm going to hurry up, so stay with me. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. But because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. 
but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, naked, and blind, or blind and naked. Can I tell you all something? I'm a foodie. I love food because I believe Jesus loves food. There's a wedding feast about to happen. Let's just be honest. But I, we go to Carabas. We frequent Carabas. Anybody frequent Carabas? Can I get a whoop-whoop for Carabas? It's, it's, you know, hallelujah. I'm Italian, so, you know, it's not, Carabas is not the top, but it's, it's convenient and it's quick. They bring my soup out, and every time I order my soup like this, I love their Sicilian chicken soup, and I say it like this every time. I say, ma'am, I love you, or sir, I love you. Just do me a favor. When the soup comes out, make sure it's scalding hot because I do not like lukewarm soup, and I will send it back. And I'm not, I'm not a jerk about it. I'm nice about it. But every single time they bring it out, and I, I look at it, and I go, that's not hot enough. I can tell by the steam. Like, if it's not, because food is so good when it's hot, or you have cold soups that are good when they're cold, but lukewarm food is horrible. When you're lukewarm, he will spew you out of his mouth. Says it right here. You will be the happiest when you realize how rich you are with Christ. When you recognize your need and your dependence on Christ. I want to say this. Without Jesus, I pay for my own sins. Think about that. There are people that are in hell right now. This church believes in a heaven or a hell. Without Jesus, I pay for my own sins. But check this out. This gets good. Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 5. As for you, you were dead in your own transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But, everybody say but. Check it out. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, mercy, by the way, is not getting what you really deserve, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace. Everybody say grace. Grace, grace is, getting what, it is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy, again, getting what you really don't deserve. Grace is getting what you really don't deserve. <laughs> Does that make sense? Did I say that right? Mercy is not getting what you really deserve. Grace, I said it right that time. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. And it's by grace that you've been saved. So there's, there's this first point that I want to say to you. I'm going to give you four points. I, I did this a little out of order. Sorry about that. Like, there's four points that really point to relying on Jesus and unlocking the blessings that come when we utterly depend on him. The first one is because of Jesus, I have the free gift that we just read about of salvation, forgiveness, and eternal life. The second one is that without Jesus, I can only cope through my pain in personhood, and I'll explain that to you. In other words, without Jesus, it would just be I am who I am, and we don't have hope without Jesus. Jeremiah actually prophesied about the world, the world's way without Jesus. In Jeremiah 6, verse 14, they offer superficial treatments for my people's mortal wound. They give assurances of peace where there is no peace. I want to stop right here. This is very interesting. We were just talking about this as a family because there's a funeral home down the road that asked me, hey, uh, Pastor Adam, would you be willing to do funerals? And I've done funerals before. But I've always done funerals for members of the church. And I was saying to my parents, how do you do a funeral for somebody that you 
don't know if they were saved or not. And you're trying to tell these people, like, how do I preach that funeral and say, like, we're, I don't know if we're going to see them again. So I can't say, like, we're going to see them again because I don't want to lie to people. I won't do that. I want to preach a message of truth always. I was like, how do I do this? They offer superficial treatments for my people's mortal wound. They give assurances of peace where there is no peace. Guys, never give an assurance of peace where there is no peace. Scripture says it. In other words, you've got to say that destiny is heaven or hell, and here's how. Here's why. Because of Jesus, I have the power to be healed and transformed. In 1 Peter 2, verse 24 to 25, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to our sin, to sin, sorry, and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. So I want to say that by his wounds, you can be healed today. If you guys need prayer for anything, we're going to be here afterwards because we believe Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. He's here. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This points to the Lord, not the Savior. This points to the Lord, the God that we submit to, the overseer of our souls. Can I ask you a question? Are you letting God oversee your soul? Because you're poor if you're not. Are, are you letting God oversee and tell you what to do? Are you allowing God to dictate the narrative? Because of Jesus, I have the power to be healed and transformed. And when I submit my soul to being overseen, I am blessed. I could be freed of stress. I could be freed of fear. I could be feared of anxiety because God oversees my soul. So when you're sitting there and you're stressing out, if God oversees your soul, you could say, Lord, here it is. Help me with this. I cast all my cares upon you. Remember that song? I lay all of my burdens down at your feet. And anytime I don't know what to do, I will cast all my cares upon you. See, that makes life a whole lot easier. When I have an overseer that I can go to and go, hey, I got problems. It's a hot mess up in here today. What do I do? I cast all my cares at your feet. He handles anxiety. If we as the church would demonstrate this more, we would see less people on depression meds. If you would carry the joy of the Lord, it's contagious. People want to know why you're so happy. And you say it's because it's, it's not about the happenings. This is the joy of the Lord. That's my strength. I don't have to stay where I am. I can be transformed. Galatians 5, verse 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'm almost done. The third point is that without Jesus, I'm trying to create my own life. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Because of Jesus, I have the ability to know who I am and what my life is all about. I can know what I'm called to do. God can show you these things when we press into Jesus. In Acts 17, and I'm ending right here. Paul was in Athens, Greece, preaching to a group of people that were worshiping a God. And 
This, this God's name was actually an unknown God. <laughs> this is how Paul appealed to the people to follow Jesus here in Acts 17, verse 26 to 28. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history. Before a single moment in history, guys, God appointed this time in 2021 that we would be here at this exact moment. And the boundaries of their lands, what that's saying is, in other words, God picked when and where. I'm supposed to be in Charlotte right here, right now. That's the boundary of my land. This is where God assigned me to be. Verse 27, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. And some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. On point four is without Jesus, I'm living my life for joys that will fade away. Without reliance and intimate relationship with Jesus, we may have happiness, but we will lack the true fullness of joy. In 1 Peter 1, verse 3 to 4, praise be to the God and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has shown new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. The inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Man, that's a good word. That's a good word. Do you know, that where, your, do you know where your inheritance is? I want to ask you that question today. Do you know what your purpose of your life is? I want to tell you this. The purpose of every person here, I want to clarify your primary purpose right here. Besides worshiping God, it's relationship with God so that you can impact others. That's the purpose. Let me make that legal for you. In Psalms 2, verse 8, this is direct scripture. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations. What does that mean? It means I'll give you people. I'll give you the nations. I'll give you people. Ask me for this. We're supposed to be praying that God would give us people to encounter to make a mark on their life. That's what Jesus did. You say you want to be more like Jesus, go and make an impact like he did with the disciples and pour into somebody else. If it doesn't bother you that there are souls that are lost and dying and going to hell, I dare ask, I've asked you the question, are you really following Jesus? Do you really want that mark? Are we just living to make money and have bigger houses, better cars, better vacations? That's just momentary happiness. That's just hap. It's just the happenings. Because of Jesus, I can have the joy of living a life that glorifies God and impacts others. Jesus said this. I'm, I'm ending right here. In John 15, 8 to 11, these are the words of Jesus. By this my Father is glorified, that you may bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Notice it says that when you bear much fruit, that's when you prove that you're my disciples. I'm trying to wake you up to this this morning. If you're not bearing much fruit, are you really a disciple of Jesus? Ask yourself that question. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. And if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. That is so good. You will never be happy until you're impacting the life of someone else. I want to say that. 
That's why when we're dealing with situations, but we minister to other people, it's so key and so important because it pulls our eyes off of ourselves and our own situation that we we're, we're maybe just like basking in that situation. And it goes, okay, I can make an impact in other people. And when you minister to other people, a lot of times your need is solved. I've said that before and I'll say it again. We have four points as a church. We want to know God, that points to encounter, find freedom, get freed of things that hold us back, discover our purpose, and then four is make a difference. I'm meeting with a sign company tomorrow, and we're going to put that on the front of this building in real big, bold letters. And when you come in, it's going to say, know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, dot, dot, dot. And when you leave, it's going to say, go and make a difference because that's what Jesus asked us to do. So I want to ask you, is your business something that you're allowing to create the outlet for ministry or are you just living for earthly pleasures? Because it has an expiration date and you can't take it with you. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who recognize total and utter dependence on Jesus. Then we inherit the kingdom of heaven. So why is it so important? Guys, we, it's, it's, like, it's like the perfect segue from last week, by, not by my might, not by my power, but by his spirit is the perfect segue into these values of Jesus. He values when you need him. See, I'm grateful that I serve a God who doesn't have needs. Do you know that God doesn't need anything? He doesn't have needs. He does have desires, though. And I could tell you his desire is that you would get intimate with him and have total dependence on him because he will move in your life when you get to that place. You will be transformed, and you'll no longer be doing it in your efforts or your strength. It'll be just Holy Ghost all the way. Reliance on Jesus is how you go from being poor to being rich in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit that recognize that with God I am everything and without him I am nothing. I want to bow our heads and our hearts today. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we have an opportunity to draw close to you and see your spirit move on us. God, I thank you. I thank you that you're moving. I thank you that you're awakening us to the need for you. And I thank you that as we continue to draw near, as we continue to depend on you, that you're going to change things, that you're going to change our perspective, that we're not just living for momentary pleasures, God. And Lord, this morning, we repent for anything that stood in the way of us and you. We repent right now for every distraction, God, no matter what it is. We thank you, God, that your kingdom come, your will be done in our lives. And we fix our gaze and our attention on you this morning. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, shout amen. I want to say this before I dismiss this morning. I, I went a little longer because we're, we're teaching. But how many of you believe this is good stuff? It's scripture, it's good stuff. I want to say this. You guys can keep that going. Um, I want to say this, that uh, we're here to pray for you. If you've been going through a tough time and you need just a little extra two or three gathered in his name, it changes the narrative. It changes things. We're here for you. You can see myself or Liz or Pastors Gary and Cindy. You can see any of us. We're here to pray for you. Guys, we believe in the power of prayer that it changes things. That's why we prayed for families that need wholeness. We believe there's families that are coming to wholeness. 
It's good to have some of you back this week that have been dealing with it for a month. Good Lord. Thank God that you're out of it now. <laughs> Father, I just declare this is going to be a great week. Not by our efforts, but by your spirit. If you believe that, shout amen. Thank you guys so much for coming. Thank you guys for watching online. It was great having you this morning. We'll see you next week. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it and share it on social media or jump onto our website, hopecovenant.cc and click on our giving link and help us continue to share the message of Jesus across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.